We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Joining me now on WGR, it's Locked On Patriots host Mike Debate. Mike, what's going on, man? Thanks for joining the show. Louie, thanks so much for having me on. Always an honor to join you here on the microphone. So, Mike, the Patriots are in an interesting spot where they, again, they kind of went against their, I don't know if you agree, their typical offseason philosophy. They paid all these top, I would say, Tier 2, Tier 3 free agents. They paid them pretty good money to kind of win now with Cam Newton bringing Cam back for Year 2. How much, I want to ask you, how much of it was impacted by Tom Brady winning it all last year, if at all, that impacted it? Yeah, I mean, I think it actually had a little something to do with it. I'm not going to completely dismiss it. Look, there is definitely ego when it comes to the top coaches in the league, the top players in the league, and any time there is an amicable split, and by all accounts it was an amicable split in New England, there's still going to be some residual feelings. And Tom Brady and Bill Belichick are very aware of their personalities. They're very aware of their personas in the public. And there's definitely a little bit of that to uh, to go around. Now, was that Bill Belichick's primary motivating Mm -hmm. factor? I can pretty safely say no. Bill Belichick is motivated mostly by one thing and one thing only, and that's winning. And that's exactly what Tom Brady is motivated by as well. So I think Bill looked at the 7-9 and record last year, the subpar uh, finish, missing the playoffs, uh, a lot of the chatter that's going on around, which I know Bill says he ignores, but you've got to hear it. There's no question about mm-hmm. it. I think he looked at this and said, this is a great opportunity for us to be able to pounce in free agency. The Patriots haven't had this type of cap windfall in quite some time. They put it to good use, and they put it to use in a lot of different areas to help shore up a lot of holes that they had on various depth charts within their roster. Yeah, Mike, maybe I'm looking too deep into this, just trying to think of angles for this strategy, because it is kind of a change-up in what the Patriots normally do. Not not to say they never sign big-name free agents, right? Not to say they never spend money. They have before. Darrell Rivas, Stephon Gilmore, they brought in Randy Moss, so they've made moves before, but typically Belichick is more controlled uh, than I thought he was this offseason, and not saying that's a bad thing normally, but again, I'm trying to think deeper and look at why he did it this year. Maybe it's because Brady won the Super Bowl. Is it? Here's another... Th- Here's another angle. Do you think Belichick is going all in now because he's not sure how much he's gonna how much longer he's gonna do this? Like if he thought he was gonna be coaching another five, ten seasons, he might go all in on a rookie quarterback. Is is that something that impacts this? Or again, am I looking uh, a bit too uh, too far into it? No, I think that it's a reasonable uh, assumption to think that maybe Belichick is looking at the twilight of his coaching career. He's soon to be 70, so you look at that on the north side of that type of an age, it's difficult to gain the type of physical uh, you know, rigors and also the mental rigors it takes to not only be a top-flight coach in the NFL, but also a GM, the person that's making all of the personnel decisions as well. So in a lot of ways, yeah, I think Belichick is looking at it and saying, look, if I'm going to only coach two, three more years, four more years, however long he believes he has left in him, he's going to try to maximize the win total as much as he can and gain as much success as he possibly can. Bill Belichick is not in the coaching game right now for five and 11 seasons or five and now five and 12 seasons, I mm-hmm. guess, yeah. with the 17-game season. But uh, 
all in all, uh, I think that's how he approached this offseason, is trying to win, trying to maximize uh, the amount of success his team can have. And again, Louie, you hit on this. This is an opportunity for Belichick to spend money that he hasn't had in mm-hmm. quite some time. When he has cap space available, he'll put it to good use. Sure. It's not like Bill always wants to, you know, sharp it, you know, bargain basement in terms of being able to get free agents. He's done very well with doing that because his scouting and his ability to scout pro talent is really at the top of the heap when it comes to that. So in a lot of ways, uh, this is uncharacteristic for the Patriots. You're absolutely right. But I think there's a lot of factors. But the stuff that you've said uh, definitely factors in. I wouldn't dismiss it. Uh, all of these factors do uh, come together to, uh, to help us get an inkling as to what Bill Belichick is thinking. Mike Debate joining us of the Locked On Patriots podcast. You can follow him on Twitter at FPC. Mike, I actually, I, I, again, I think the money was maybe a little bit too much on some of these guys, but I actually do think they're going to be vastly improved, even with, again, maybe it being too much money. The fact that you look at last year, they won seven games in that situation is kind of impressive considering the roster, considering how many players opted out, considering Cam Newton's you know up and down season, getting injured and all that stuff. So you look at they won seven games last year. Maybe you can kind of look at that in a glass half full kind of way. You bring in two really solid, productive tight ends, a couple good, fast receivers in Nelson Aguilar and Kendrick Bourne. You get some players back this year on defense. Maybe this year, I think the Patriots, again, I said long-term, the Jets might be the biggest threat to the Bills just based on they have maybe the best long-term quarterback in Zach Wilson. But this year, I wouldn't be surprised if it's the Patriots pushing the Bills out of anybody. Yeah, I mean, I think the Patriots have a chance to be competitive in this division without question. Last year was a little bit of an anomaly for the Pats. And look, a lot of the chatter when Cam Newton first came to town in New England was, up oh, New England's back in. They're going to be neck and neck with the Bills for the division. Mm-hmm. I took a long-term approach when I looked at that, and I said, I still think this is the Bills' division to uh, to lose, and I, I believe they would win it. I still believe that. I still think that it's their division to lose. They're still by far, I think, the best team on both sides of the ball. But New England has made several improvements. They needed wide receivers. They went out and got two receivers that fit their scheme very well. Maybe a little bit of an overpay, especially on Aguilar. A lot of people are worried about the two-year, $22 million committed to him. But these are versatile players that can play outside. They can play in the Mm -hmm. slot. Bill Belichick loves that, and it's very versatile for them to be able to have that type of attack, especially when you go out and you invest the type of money they invested in two tight ends that were at the top of the free agent market. Jonu Smith. Hunter Henry. That's going to change the way this team plays offense so much because now they can run that 12-man personnel that they used to run so well with Rob Gronkowski and whether it be Aaron Hernandez on the other side yep. of it or Martellus Bennett. They were able to do that. You get a solid slot receiver and a strong running game behind you, not to mention an improved uh, offensive line, and all of a sudden you've got an offense that can really be able to cook. The question is, is Cam Newton going to be able to rebound from a subpar 2020 and be able to lead this team? He likes to utilize the tight ends. He likes to utilize versatile receivers. If Cam can be healthier this year and if he can be more accurate, uh, the Patriots are going to be a tough team to beat. They'll give uh, any team in this division a run for their money. Again, I still think it's the Bills' di- uh, you know, division, but don't sleep on the Patriots this year. They've made some good improvements. They'll be right in the mix. Yeah, it makes sense what they're trying to do here with Cam Newton, Mike. You know, bringing in, you look at his MVP season in 2015. Didn't have the best weapons, but what did he have? He had a top-tier tight end in Greg Olson. He had a field stretcher in Ted Ginn Jr. So you kind of do that with Smith and Henry at tight end, bringing in some fast guys like Bourne and Aguilar. Now, Nelson Aguilar 
are since 2016 is tied for second with the most, I think, uh, 50 plus yard receptions, along with Deshaun Jackson, Tyree Kill, some of the best home run hitters in the game. So I think it makes sense what they're doing. And again, it's a huge question what you have in Cam uh, this year. But at the same time, Mike, I don't know if you agree. I think he should. I think he deserves more credit for what he did last year. The circumstances were pretty brutal for Cam. He didn't play in 2019 at all outside of those first two games, right? He had no offseason with COVID. He's adjusting to a completely different culture in a pretty complex scheme. Then he gets COVID himself. He doesn't really have any weapons, and he still goes 7-8 and eight as a starter. I don't think Cam's ever going to be what he was in 2015 or even before he got hurt in 2018, but if you told me he bounced back in a pretty sizable way this year, I mean, I wouldn't bat an eye. No, I wouldn't bat an eye either, and I've been much more um, apologetic or much more uh, in praise of Cam than I've been critical of him. Have there been things that I would love to see him improve on for 2020? Absolutely, there's no question about it. Cam would be the first one to tell you that, but at the same time, I do look at the body of work in the season that he had to endure in 2020, coming into camp late, uh, not having the benefit of OTAs, mini camps, uh, preseason games, uh, you know, a lot of preseason in-person practice. These are things that when you're taking over a team, when you're coming into a new system, a new coaching staff, taking over for a living legend in New England and Tom Brady, mm-hmm. regardless of what the rest of the country thinks of him, Tom <laughs> Brady is rev- you know he's absolutely revered as one of the uh, the you know the deities when it comes to Boston sports. That's not an easy task, and none of that is easy. Cam Newton came in and really I think won over uh, the fans, the press corps with his work ethic, uh, his uh, affability, his accountability was really something that everyone admired. It was mostly people questioning his ability on the field. I think a lot of the problems that Cam had last year were as a result of some of the circumstances around him. The Patriots have shored up that uh, offensive uh, uh, weapons staff that uh, he did not have in 2020. So in 2021, I look for some improvements. And the deal that he signed with only $3.5 million guaranteed tells me that Cam is betting on himself to have a much better year as well. He knows he's under the microscope, and this is a guy that is you know, very much um, capable and very much willing uh, to rise to the occasion, and I think he's got it in him this year to do just that. Yeah, I didn't even really think about that other factor, Mike, the pressure. I mean, again, everything I mentioned, the circumstances were tough, and yeah, I mean, he's filling in for the greatest quarterback of all time that won six championships and, you know, two decades with that organization so that's a huge part of it too I think considering what he had to deal with last year seven and eight isn't really that bad but at the same time you look at their draft situation right now they're picking what 15th overall Um, there's Mm -hmm. five quarterbacks that are likely to go in the top 10 Trevor Lawrence at one Zach Wilson at two but then who knows the Niners are going to take somebody Mac Jones Justin Fields or Trey Lance but then after that it's a you know the draft really starts I think at four with that Atlanta Falcons pick and there's some talk like a team the Denver Broncos could move from 9 to 4 to get a quarterback. I know the Patriots are kind of going in on short term right now with all these moves, but do you still think Mike a trade up for a quarterback could be possible? Like you said, Cam's contract is 1 year. There's only 3 and a half million dollars guaranteed. Are they a team that could maybe come from the top ropes and jump into that top 5, top 10 and try to land even if it's like a mini trade up for Mac Jones, let's say. Is quarterback still on the board here in the first round despite their free agency strategy? Yeah, I think it's very much on the board, Louie. And to be totally honest with you, I think they may have the number four pick in their crosshairs. Now, are they going to be able to do it? 
that's a tough thing to be able to uh, to prognosticate. And, you know, I know a lot of people will say, oh, yeah, well, just, you know, package as many picks as you can, trade up to get it. The Patriots are going to have to be awfully sure that the quarterback that they get at number four can be the guy that can lead them long term, whether it be Mac Jones, who doesn't, if he doesn't get taken by the uh, 49ers and they go with a Justin Fields or a Trey Lance, whether or not it is Trey Lance, whether or not Justin Fields slips to, uh, to number four. There are mm-hmm. a lot of possibilities, and we've heard that the, that the Falcons might be willing to explore a trade down. I've been encouraging everyone on my podcast, stop giving Falcons fans a hard time about 28-3. to <laughs> Maybe that'll smooth the, the, uh, the, uh, the lines of communication yeah. <laughs> over a little bit. But no, all kidding aside, uh, that could be a realistic trading partner. But jumping from 15 to number four is really going to be all about one thing, and that's cost, especially with Carolina now seemingly out of the running for a quarterback. You mentioned the Niners. They spent three first-round picks to jump up nine spots. The Patriots are going to have to climb up 11 spots to do it, meaning that they're going to have to give up a similar haul based on what San Francisco gave up. That's a lot of capital to be able to expect the Patriots to give up. Now, they right now have 79 players on their roster, which means 11 open spots. Bill Belichick loves his undrafted free agents. The Patriots currently have nine draft picks in 2021. Do they make all those picks? I don't think so. I think Bill Belichick wants a little flexibility in his roster to be able to sign some players. So that will mean that some of these uh, picks may get packaged or you know deferred to another year. If the Patriots are sure that their guy can be there at number four, then I think this might be the year that Bill Belichick throws it all in, puts his chips on the table, and makes that type of, uh, of deal. But if not, it wouldn't shock me to see them even maybe trade back and try to maximize their draft capital in subsequent years. Something that would send uh, shivers up and down the spine of Mm -hmm. every Patriots fan because Bill has a reputation of trading down to get value. The fans won't like it, but ultimately it's something that I think Bill Belichick has on the table. So I think you can expect anything and everything from Foxborough this year in 2021. This is an interesting one to break down. Yeah, for sure, Mike. That's definitely the – and that's kind of the the struggle that teams have when they're kind of middling, when they're in that – you know, seven and nine kind of uh, situation. If you want that quarterback that's in the top 10, that's in the top five, you're going to have to give up like what the Niners did. Do you personally, so you kind of talked about the Patriots have to ask themselves, is Trey Lance worth that? Is Justin Fields or Mac Jones worth that? Do you personally believe that one of those guys, I think more so Fields and Lance, are they worth that trade up? Because you will have to give up multiple first round picks likely to get to four. Yeah, I mean, I think the argument can be made for both quarterbacks. I'm a fan of both quarterbacks. Uh, I really have been impressed with the way Fields has handled his pro day workouts. He's got another one coming up. I really love the way that he's able to roll out of the pocket. I think he gets uh, far too uh, little credit uh, for his arm strength and his ability to gun the ball down the field, his ability to extend plays with his legs. If you're talking about a quarterback that could really absorb and learn a lot from a guy like Cam Newton, Justin Fields is definitely that quarterback. But you flip it over and you look at it from a perspective of saying, okay, how about Trey Lance? I think Trey Lance can do it as well. These are strong cerebral quarterbacks that have the ability to not only win you games with their arm, but extend you know plays with their mm-hmm. legs and be that mobile quarterback threat that is really, I think, the norm in the league right now. So if the Patriots look at these two guys and they're available – I say it's worth it. Uh, some may tell you that they think quarterbacks are being overvalued in this draft, but uh, there's a lot to like about both Justin Fields and Trey Lance. I would probably do it if I were both of them. If Mac is there in the top ten and the Patriots tried to get into that area, 
Uh, I think so. I think uh, trading up for number four to get Mac Jones might be a little bit too expensive Mm -hmm. for Bill Belichick's taste. Um, But we'll see. You know, I mean, if Belichick's got a grade on someone and he's got a beat on someone, he's not going to worry about what people like me or anybody in the Patriots media is going to say about him afterwards. If he gets the guy he wants. Bill Belichick is going to do it. He dances to the beat of his own drum every single time. Yeah, I think this is a great class when it comes to what the league is going towards at quarterback when it comes to that dual threat. You look at the mobility of Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, Trey Lance, and the Patriots, they kind of had the opposite of that with Tom Brady over the last couple decades, and then they moved to Cam Newton, Mike, last year. Uh, mobile quarter, the complete opposite, right? And that's really all he did last year was score rushing touchdowns as opposed to passing touchdowns. So do you think that that's the new direction? That's where the league is going? Is that where the Patriots want to go? Or let's say, hypothetically, maybe they don't have to move up at all. Let's say the Niners don't take Mac Jones at three. If they don't take him at three, I think he falls outside the top ten. If he's sitting there at 15, would they be okay with Mac Jones? Or do you think the Patriots uh, philosophically are trying to go in a different route when it comes to what kind of quarterback they want? I think they believe that they're going to succeed with whatever quarterback fits their system best. Now, if they're going to continue to maintain that type of offense that Cam Newton is going to run, then yeah, Fields and Lance are going to be your guys. But a lot of people sleep on Mac Jones' ability to be an athletic quarterback. He's not the most athletic quarterback in this draft by far, but he's shown the ability to be able to maneuver outside the pocket when he needs to. He's got tremendous cerebral ability to manage a game. Uh, One thing that I've heard guys like Charlie Weiss, Dante Scarnecchia, Michael Lombardi talk about Mac Jones and his football IQ and his ability to put the football in an area where only his receiver can get it. Um, Very Brady-esque in terms of how people describe that. Now, I'm not comparing the two by any stretch because they are two completely different quarterbacks, but Mac does have a very high football IQ, and something that Josh McDaniels loves to utilize is that ability to be able to dial up plays or make uh, you know certain circumstances work when it seems like there's nothing available. Uh, this is something we've seen Mac Jones do. And for all the people that are saying, oh, well, Mac had a great uh, supporting cast around him in Alabama, he's got a pretty good supporting cast around him in New England mm-hmm. right now, too, especially if they keep these pieces in place and maybe add a piece or two over the course of the next couple of years. This could be an environment in which he thrives. And we all know the connection between Bill Belichick and Nick Saban. So that could be interesting if Mac does not go to the 49ers at uh, the third pick in the NFL draft this year, then a lot of you know rumors are going to start to churn that night that the New England Patriots may be in on Matt Jones. It wouldn't surprise me if they went in that direction. Last thing for you, Mike, you kind of mentioned those pieces, right? They bring in Nelson Aguilar, Kendrick Bourne, Julian Edelman, maybe healthy in 2021. You've got Nikhil Harry, a former first-round pick. Jacoby Myers was your most reliable receiver last year. You've got Hunter Henry, Jonu Smith, Fantasy-style question for you because I'm already kind of getting in that mode with the draft coming up. What is the receiver and running back groups going to look like from a starting perspective? And then you look at tight end, too. Like, who are the guys to own in fantasy for the Patriots this year? Is it just going to be a complete committee at all three spots? Is Are the Patriots a team I should just not go after when it comes to non-quarterbacks? Or are there some clear favorites to take over in carries and targets? Yeah, I think there's going to be a little bit of a different feel for the New England Patriots this year. Look, I think there's a lot of different opportunities and a lot of different people that they can utilize. I do think the tight ends will be prolific and be productive in this system. I would probably go, if you're looking pure fantasy, I'd probably yeah. go Janu over Hunter Henry in this uh, okay. situation because I think Janu is going to be a big-time red zone threat. His ability to be that move tight end is going to allow him to get out, get targets in the end zone, and that's something the Patriots have not had in quite some time. 
Hunter Henry will give you fantasy points because he's a tremendous route runner, one of the best route runners at the tight end position I've had a chance to see. And I've covered Henry since he was a rookie when I covered the Chargers and watching him come out and be the type of player that he can be. Uh, watching him now in a Patriots uniform is something that I've always wanted to do, so I'm really happy I'm going to get a chance to see him. Uh, I think Aguilar can get you some points as well. I think he's going to be a good outside threat, but we've talked about this on uh, Locked On podcasts yep. as well, Louis. He has the ability to move into the slot. He did that very well in Philadelphia, and I think both he and Kendrick Bourne are going to get you points. James White back in the lineup now is big because I think they're going to utilize that third down, that pass-catching back that they didn't utilize that much last year because they didn't have enough personnel to take the pressure off of James. He was doubled on third down a lot last year, and it really hampered his ability to get open and make plays in the open field. They're going to have a lot of options, opposing defenses, that is, when it comes to covering guys on the Patriots now. Look for James White to have a much bigger year this year than he did in 2020. Mike Debate of the Locked On Patriots podcast joining us right here on Sports Talk Saturday on WGR. You can follow him on Twitter at mdebate. FPC, and be sure to subscribe to the Lockdown Patriots podcast wherever you get your podcast. Mike, thanks as always for coming on. Always great in-depth stuff, and uh, we appreciate you joining us, and hopefully we'll do it again soon, my friend. Absolutely. I look forward to it, Louie. Thanks for having me on today. Stay safe and stay well, everyone.